Hi guys, welcome back to the Rain Days podcast. Today I've got Haley from Mind Over Mood. So Haley, would you like to introduce yourself? Um, hi, yeah. Uh, like he just said, uh, my Instagram is Mind Over Mood, and I make mental health content to try and raise awareness, uh, and and specifically try to uh, you know teach people that mental illness is just a medical condition, not something that makes you a monster, and you are not alone if you have it. Hmm. Obviously, great concept thing. I don't think I've ever seen an account that's so realistic regarding psychosis, because obviously psychosis is a massive topic that people don't really want to talk about. It's kind of the elephant in the room for a lot of people with mental health. Yeah, yeah. And as someone who has experienced psychosis, does experience episodes of psychosis, it's obviously refreshing to see someone actually be able to put it out there in a way that, one, is making people aware of it, and two, isn't being demonized or something along those lines. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and my, my main thing is I want to try and illustrate it uh as something as it is, which is scarier for the person yeah. is really just scary for the person uh, uh, going through it. And if anything, watching it is disturbing to watch, but that it's not hurting you. Yeah. Um, it's hurting the person who's experiencing it basically. And I think that's one thing that obviously does get understated a lot in mental health, especially in common media. Cause obviously you see someone who has schizophrenia or bipolar or anything, those, those buzzwords that come up and suddenly it's this person that everyone has to be afraid of when in reality, even in medical diagnosis, they're more of a risk to themselves and they're more likely going to cause a problem for themselves as opposed to someone else. Right. And, and to be funny or not, funny <laughs> enough, sorry, not to be it's funny, right. uh, but funny enough, um, people, I know quite a few people with schizophrenia at this point mm-hmm. and they are the nicest people that I've ever come across. Yeah. I have never met a schizophrenic person who was an asshole. I'm just saying, I'm sure they exist, but I've course, never met yeah. one. And I know quite a few at this point. They're, they're, they're nice people. They're good people. Well, schizophrenia is always one of those things that gets thrown around a lot. So obviously, I'm sure you're aware of how much the definition of schizophrenia has changed over within the last five years. Like more recently now, they're trying to push a diagnosis for schizophrenia of more negative symptoms. So more in a sense of like being more isolated, more symptoms that people oh, may cool. so like what depression. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I see a lot more. I have a lot more negative symptoms. Yeah. I don't have schiz- straight schizophrenia. I have schizoaffective hmm. uh, bipolar type. Um, so that's basically kind of a mix between that and bipolar disorder. Okay. It's kind of schizophrenia light with bipolar disorder. Okay. Um, uh, actually, I feel like there's two groups of us. There's a group that has more schizophrenia symptoms and less bipolar symptoms. And then the group that has more bipolar symptoms and less okay. schizophrenia symptoms. And I'm that second group, but I still have them. And I overwhelmingly have the negative symptoms that make it very, very hard for me to function okay. in everyday life. I have some positive symptoms as well, but um, my medication has actually been helping clear those up quite a bit and, and the good. negative symptoms as well, but they're just, they're just really uh, inconvenient, shall we say? Yeah, I can imagine. So just for anyone listening, when we say positive or negative, we don't mean positive affect, negative effect positive symptoms of in this area of research or in this area of uh, psychology are additional things you may experience for example hallucinations or delusions whereas negative symptoms are more akin to like more depressive type symptoms like you isolate yourself more disorganized disorganized speech you sometimes even just kind of lose the ability to speak and communicate kind of thing right the way i like to describe it is uh, positive symptoms are when stuff is added to your reality yeah like things appear that weren't there, things are heard that heard that aren't mm-hmm. actually there, things like that. Beliefs are had that aren't really yeah. there or true. Um, and the negative symptoms are things taken away from your reality. So like your ability to think, your ability to talk, your ability to get yourself up and do something, things you, you can't experience reality like you did before because pieces are missing. 
Um, and that's a huge part of what I deal with. I think it's what you said previously in a sense that there are that type of two groups of people that have those very vivid positive symptoms and have less negative symptoms and vice versa. And obviously mm-hmm. it's important to recognize that both of both of those people still have that schizotypal thing you just got, you said, sorry, I, I wasn't I'm saying sure what you said, sorry. Was it schizotypal? Uh, it's, schiz- it's schizoaffective. So schizo- schizotypal is a personality disorder, but yeah. schiz- schizoaffective is um, by and bipolar type. And I say bipolar type because you can also have schizoaffective depressive type. The okay. only requirements is that there are symptoms of schizophrenia present and symptoms of a mood disorder. So you've got a thought okay. disorder and a mood disorder. You have standalone episodes of schizophrenic like psychosis, but then you also have standalone episodes like bipolar or depressive episodes of either mania or depression or whatever. Okay. Um, and, and you may have psychosis during those mood episodes as well. But when you start to have psychosis, separate from those mood episodes that's when they start looking into it potentially being schizoaffective okay it's interesting so obviously my background is clinical psychology so recently i've been looking at the dsm for um so currently doing an assignment on generalized anxiety disorder and i was really surprised at how many overlaps there are between anxiety or anxiety conditions and bipolar in a sense of that kind of need to i guess have reassurance and that constant fear kind of thing i obviously did i didn't know there was that many overlaps because obviously coming from purely clinical aspect and seeing the DSM, they're very separated. And like you said, like I said before about the negative symptoms and obviously in the current iteration of the DSM, for people listening, DSM is one of the more known um, diagnostic manual, manual things. Obviously, statistic yeah. manual. Yeah. So if you've got the ICD-10, you've also got, there's another one, I can't it's called now. But either way, it, it's very interesting because they're very separate, even though they can have very similar situ- uh, very similar symptoms. Um, well, with the constant reassurance thing, that sounds more like something that's an overlap with uh, borderline personality disorder okay. in terms of that, because I, I, there's not necessarily a need for reassurance with bipolar disorder, because in fact, a lot of the time, especially if we're manic, we do not need reassurance from anybody. We don't need anything from anybody. We are going to do whatever it is we're going to do. And if you are trying to tell us no, we give you the finger because that's all that we can say things that are ideas when you're manic are demands. Um, and so that kind of thing. And then when you're depressed, you know, of course, people who are depressed could do with some reassurance. It doesn't usually help, but you know, they could do with some reassurance. So I think during that time, yes. Um, and then on a day-to-day basis, it just kind of depends on the person you are, or if you have an overlapping diagnosis of borderline personality disorder, where people do need to, it isn't quite clear what somebody thinks of you in your brain and you you tend to assume the worst a lot of the time um and and from from what i've been told i don't have vpd but from what i've been told and from what i've read about it and that kind of thing um but yeah i think i think the the same thing one of the overlaps with anxiety is this uh you you can you can have uh kind of delusions uh, that yeah. persecutory, persecutory delusions, like this person has a problem with me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And even if someone says, no, 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 I don't, you're not looking for that reassurance. You just know that this is an issue or you, you, uh, I mean, there's a lot of anxiety that comes with bipolar disorder. We don't just okay. have mania and depression. We have every mood that you can possibly have on the spectrum to a huge overly magnified degree. Um, it's an episode when that mood goes one way or the other and stays there for a long period of time, like yeah. not just hours, but I mean like days, weeks, months, or God forbid years. Yeah. Um, and so, and so that happens. I mean, like I, uh, you know, I'll go for months at a time where every night before bed, 
I'm not even thinking about anything. And all of a sudden, like I get hit with this anxiety attack. Right. And it's this thing where I can't breathe, you know, and like, I'm sitting there and I'm getting dizzy and like, I don't know, it's like, but I'm trying to like sit there and deal with it. And it just comes in these waves, like a really horrible ocean crashing at you. And then, and then it's gone. And I just can't, it just, it just happens whether I want it to or not. So it's kind of weird. This was obviously going back to what you said before about raising that um, information about it because obviously I, I don't think I don't think the paper was trying to say but there was reassurance but it's really strange because that's how they worded it in a sense that there is so much there's so little information about the very specific thing you're talking about that people obviously are going to get things wrong in literature and that does happen a lot especially with oh I know they said with like borderline for example so I've I've got um, features of borderline very would have got full diagnosis but there's problems with family and stuff like that. But Which when is... I was looking at BPD research, so for example, that's what my uh, master's dissertation on, is on. There is so much stigma against the disorder and the people around it, even from a clinician side of point of view, that the, the literature is almost like bleached in a different way to kind of change mm. the perspective of how someone reading it may feel towards that disorder. So like when I was looking before, within like the last, I think it was five to 10 years, there was a um, systematic review of psycho- psycho- psychotic disorders and you could tell, like, literally, there was this bias of in the writing, basically saying these people are impulsive, they're dangerous, they're destructive kind of thing. And that was in a literature review. That was actual um, people who've had their articles reviewed and stuff like that. And obviously yeah. looking at, it's really interesting. So when you do look at Instagram, like looking at content like yours, it actually does help to understand those kind of things that you can't really understand in a literature because they have to use very specific terminology and it's very hard to display a subjective experience. Like for example, there's a video you did, but I can't remember what it was, but I thought, wow, that is definitely psychosis. And there's nothing else you can say to that. And you said something along the lines of this is my experience. This is what psychosis is. Oh, like to one me. of the simulations. Yes. Like, exactly. Yes. One of those videos. And when I saw that video, there was also um, one, I think it was, there was your video. And there's one from a bunny hugs and mental health. And mm-hmm. both of you had very clear descriptions and things of what someone with psychosis could be going going through. I don't know if Bunny Hux experiences psychosis. He has anxiety and ADHD. Um, no, so he's had some psychotic episodes. I had him on the episode, the podcast. Like, oh, he did. Th- yeah. Oh, yeah. He didn't tell me about that. We're actually really good friends. I, I Maybe he's hiding he it from me. I had his. Oh, well, I know he yeah. had a massive panic attack that sent him that he went to the hospital for. Oh, it's basically, um, it might just be the way he explains it. When he maybe, episode, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I could be wrong. I could definitely be wrong. I'm not him. He usually talks. I talk to him almost every day, but, you know, maybe he doesn't tell me everything. It's, okay. it's very possible. It's very possible. Also, it could be but, when um, people describe things differently. But what he was saying was that one of the episodes that they had, for example, it was almost like this kind of wave of something. He didn't really know what was going on. He couldn't really control it, but he was outside of it at the same time. And so this association, it sounds like maybe. Yeah, precisely that. Yeah. But then if you say those words, like, oh, they're having a dissociative psychotic episode, it because of media, how it's interpreted it, it sounds so horrific. It sounds like this person is so dangerous and destructive. When I have spoke to people about psychosis, it's one of those things that like, do you really want to talk about that kind of thing? That like when I made my um, post about psychosis, I had so many people messaging me basically going, are you sure that's what psychosis is? It's like, yes. It's like, are you sure they're not dangerous? It's like, well, sometimes they're dangerous themselves mainly, but it's very subjective and these people still need that support. And it's not as common. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wait, is, is dissociation considered actual psychosis? Because I know a lot of people with a yep. lot of mental health conditions. So dissociation that. in a sense of if you have no control over what you're doing. So like people who have a prolonged level of dissociation where they act out a certain way can be considered psychosis. 
Oh, okay. Got it. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know. Um, that's no, like based on what I've looked at. <laughs> no, yeah, no, definitely. Um, and again, you've got more uh, academic knowledge than I do for sure. So, um, so you probably know, but, um, and, and I think you were talking about the, the stigmatizing, uh, literature yeah. about, you know, that kind of thing. I noticed that happens a lot with personality disorders, Massively, especially yes. people in the cluster B personality disorder, which includes BPD. Yeah. Um, they're automatically just described as bad people. And I think that's really wrong. No, um, you know, agree. you can, you can be honest and real about certain behavioral tendencies, but it's just making them look like they're just this villainous, horrible people. Um, and that's not cool. And, you know, and that, that, that happens a lot with, with bipolar disorder too. There's a lot of, uh, assumptions that we are going to be bad, uh, or, or dangerous people. Um, a lot of people will use bipolar to describe somebody who's being erratic and horrible, whether yeah. they have it or not. Um, people will use that in a court of law to cite why somebody committed a violent act. And I'm not saying that it's impossible that that's the thing behind it. Of course, it's not impossible. Yeah. But the fact that you can use that in court and say, oh, by the way, this person's bipolar, not they were in an episode. Yeah. Um, this was stirring it. They were drinking and not on their meds. No, it's just that, oh, by the way, this person had bipolar disorder. So clearly they're a violent, scary person. And it's like, uh, you know, you, you can't say that kind of thing. I recently lost a friend because she didn't want to be around me because she figured out that, okay. I mean, God forbid she found out I had schizoaffective, but she found out I had bipolar disorder at least. And mm. immediately she didn't want to be friends with me anymore. And it's like, she has a kid and it's like, were you, what were you scared? I was going to be dangerous, dangerous around your kid. Were you scared? I was going to be a certain way or just because it, it goes from people to even being like, Oh, this person's going to be drama to, Oh, this yeah. person's going to be dangerous. And it's like, that's not necessarily the case right now. I'm very stable. I'm not in any mood episode. I'm not in any yeah. psychotic episode. I'm fine. But the fact that I have bipolar disorder would immediately make someone think, Oh, she's going to do something bad, which is just not good. You know what I mean? No, of course not. I mean, like I said before, you have those episodes of stability and obviously if you feel yourself slipping into a different place kind of thing, you're more than likely to make the person. So for example, he had a plan, he's going to do something with someone. He said, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't commit to this plan anymore because this has happened. Like don't really know what to do about it kind of thing. Right. Whereas if you say, Oh, well, I'm stable. I mean, that's all they kind of need to know. It's kind of like going up to someone and saying, I can't be friends with you because I'm afraid you're going to make me cry at some point in my life kind of thing. It's that kind of right. fear factor that you can't really control. Right. And when you're looking at mental health problems, say, for example, I just use my for um, BPDs is the best thing I can do is that people understand now, obviously, with the current case that's going on, people are now associating BPD with almost narcissistic. With Amber Heard. Precisely. Mm. And that whole thing. Of, I've got two opinions of that in a sense that from a clinician's point of view, I completely understand why they said what they said. The traits of what she spoke about could be classed as borderline traits. However, right. what they needed to say was that one, is she going through any treatment or is she in recovery at all? Or is she just like kind of living out the negative side of those things? Like for example, if you go around, if you, like I said before, if you're off your meds and uh, not, not you specifically, if someone was off their medication Me? and on those, on, on those meds, it can control that psychosis side of it off those, off that medication, obviously something's going to happen that you can't really predict. And that could be, that could be dangerous kind of thing because right. that is what it's there for. Whereas right. Just, and yeah. I was going to say, and then, and then it's funny because it's like at the same time they vilify taking medication Yes, they do. and say it's Massively. a bad thing. And it's like, okay, it's got to be one or the other, because I'll be the first to say when I am manic, if I don't have any meds, 
I will do something that I cannot take back. And it's not to say I'm going to hurt somebody. And it's not yeah. to say I'm going to commit a crime, but you know, I may wreck my car. I may, you know, be stupid and, you know, do something, you know, negative in my relationship. I may, you know, uh, uh, lose friends or I may lose all of my money. I may be, you know, positive that this this stupid business idea I have is going to work. And so I sink all this money into it, absolutely sure that it's going to come back and then it doesn't come back, you know, and it's like, you know, I make all these purchases or whatever. And so it's like, I will be erratic and I will be a danger to myself. And yeah, yeah. you know, it might, I, I, I could potentially be a danger to others. I don't know if I'm, if I'm, you know, if they're in the line of fire while I'm being ridiculous or and not to gender this or anything, but typically if you do hear of a bipolar person getting into fights and stuff like that, it's usually men. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean to be, you know, sexist or anything, but usually again, if a, if a bipolar man gets manic, you know, he may get more aggressive yeah, and things like that. But things. you, if we take our meds that mitigates it 99% of the time. And so it's like, if we're doing our best to be the people that we're supposed to be and, you know, kind of taking care of ourselves and everything like that, you have no place vilifying us or the, the methods that we use to uh, be more like the rest of society you know what i mean no, that's I also another thing agree. people people commonly think that bipolar disorder means you are always happy or you are always sad or you are always up or you are always down and that's the case at all people can go years being totally uh, emotionally stable you know for the most part yeah it always creeps up on you sometimes yeah, but but you know what i mean and so it's like it's just this it's it's kind of a mess really well, kind of, you kind of, it's pretty clear to see that the society and its whole doesn't really understand what bipolar is. Because obviously, borderline and bipolar get compared so much that some people obviously mm-hmm. search them as the same thing. Obviously, the same lettering probably doesn't help, but yeah, but there's the, BP versus BPD, and exactly, like, yeah. yeah. But when you talk to someone who's borderline, obviously, those like sporadic changes can happen a lot more frequently. Whereas with bipolar, it's like this is going to happen for an you don't know how long it's going to last like it's not going to and be it's like, just going to progressively get yeah, worse exactly. and worse and worse and worse and worse as time goes on and that's the thing that people kind of need to understand that there is that difference but that doesn't necessarily make either one worse in the sense of someone else's like thing like for example if you have someone who's a borderline someone's a bipolar if they're both stable they're both stable they're both normal people mm-hmm. whereas if the person who's has uh, sorry if someone's bipolar is acting manically obviously they're going to act erratically like you said some things you just literally can't control because that is what mania is Mm-hmm. Right. And, 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 and the biggest people are all like, oh, well, it's the same thing. The, the, the biggest difference I would say, uh, the two biggest differences that I would say between bipolar disorder and BPD mm-hmm. is that, um, like I said, the length of the episode, definitely right. And the fact and the reason why you had the episode. So with BPD, it is triggered by some kind of external stimuli, whether that external stimuli should have cr- triggered that reaction or not. Yeah. Whereas bipolar, you just literally wake up that way. And sometimes external stimuli can trigger an episode, but usually it's just you wake up and you're like, what's it going to be today? And those are kind of the two main differences. No, definitely. BPD is usually triggered by some type of association to trauma. So mm-hmm. like, obviously it can be something you obviously want, aren't aware of. So it can be internal external, like someone may, for example. Say something yeah, or exactly. not say something yeah. or do something or not do and something. And then suddenly the way you react to that thought or that behavior can then trigger the low right. episode, the irritability kind of stuff like that. Like some a really common example is obviously family related trauma in a sense that if you'll have like on and off communication with family and then suddenly someone messages you so you don't want them to message you or you do kind of thing 
And the right. second you see that message, it just triggers something and then something it, unfortunately is going to happen. Like, for example, for me, I have a specific family member who I know if they message me, I need to be out of the way of everyone because I know so I'm going to be triggered in some way that mm-hmm. be, I might become. See, that's good. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's actually yeah. interesting because like the psychosis side of what I have. So the side that leans more towards schizophrenia and stuff. Yeah. Uh, that can happen out of nowhere, but it's more likely, much more likely to be triggered by something. Mm -hmm. So like something in the world news is happening or something, I I see something and perceive it to be something it's not. Um, Or all of a sudden, you know, stuff starts happening to me that I might have like trigger stuff starts happening to me. It always kind of starts with the paranoia or whatever. um, Or, or if I have a negative, uh, episode like a full-on catatonic episode for example where i'm there stiff and i can't move for hours um that usually happens when i'm extremely stressed out or extremely exhausted or not usually even exhausted just emotionally i'm very stressed out or whatever and then all of a sudden i can just feel it's like this like kind of nosedive and i just go like this and i can't control anything i can't speak i can't do anything um, and so these things, those things do kind of have uh, situational stimuli, mm-hmm. I guess it would be called. Um, and so that's why, you know, it's really, it's really important when you're dealing with somebody, especially somebody who experiences pretty extreme psychosis, I guess, um, to be very mindful if you can um, of what triggers those things, because those do yeah, tend to have a trigger definitely. and and to try and avoid them for their sake. Um, because that's not something that's fun to deal with. And it can take a long time to get over. Like the last one was about five weeks for me of just negative and positive symptoms all over the place. Um, and I couldn't function. And it was, I think it was something to do with world news because that seems to trigger it for me a lot of the time. Yeah. I can't stand um, at the moment. Well, well yeah. I yeah. mean, just in general, like you, these things where you'd say, Oh, that would never happen. And all of a sudden you wake up and there it is, yeah. you know, and, and, and I start getting, you know, this kind of thing like happening or like if something about my everyday world, is randomly completely different. Like that'll trigger it as well. Um, like, cause all of a sudden I'll be convinced that I'm not in reality anymore or something. And all of a sudden, like I start seeing everything. I start stuff starts. I start hallucinating these things that confirm what I'm paranoid about. Mm. And so I'm all like, okay, there we go. Or like, you know, if I'm, uh, if I'm spending a lot of time alone, um, and not talking to anybody, even on the phone, um, the, the entities that talk to me, um, internally, the, they are these separate people that talk to me and I talk out loud back to them. They will start getting louder and talk to me more and more and more. And I will start to talk to them more and more and more. Um, and it's completely unconscious. Um, but like those, so those types of things, I know what puts me in that space. Uh, and so I have to, uh, be mindful of it. And, you know, yeah, my, my husband knows the same thing. My mother doesn't, but yeah. my husband does. <laughs> I think you, you kind of highlighted something also that I want to talk about, especially with yourself in a sense that something I've realized when I'm looking at mental health media, say, for example, you, you, that clip was taken out of context and that 20 second clip where you just ex- explained the psychosis for, for your psychosis specifically, if someone I, I would know, someone on media would probably take that clip, put a black and white hue on it and say, this is why we need to be scared of people who have psychosis kind of thing. And right. Yeah. And that constant thing of like, if I say something, where I'm going to be perceived a certain way, that already general opinion may be confirmed. Right. And, and, and for the sake of it, like yeah, the exactly. psychosis that I experience, I am not dangerous no. when I experience that. Like I am, I am debilitated. And that's the case for most people. I would say almost everyone 
with psychosis, if they are experiencing it, what really is happening is they are completely debilitated and incapacitated by it and cannot function. That's what it is. It's not Mr. Like knife rampage. Like it's, no, of course not. it's, it's an extreme debilitation and that's what it is. And somebody could just sit there and not be able to do anything at all and is but scared. You know? I spoke recently of someone who had a drug induced psychosis. So they had a psychosis for due to some type of substance they were taking. They Oof, were basically yeah. saying that for them, it wasn't if it hit their psychosis, they was basically having a conversation or basically being berated by people who weren't there. And he said, mm-hmm. it's one of the most horrible experiences that he's ever had. But then you so if you show that to someone, say for example, oh, this person having psychosis, they wouldn't ever see that side because that's not the side they want to kind of see. Obviously, when you talk about psychosis, they want to see like oh, all these like horror film characters and stuff like that. And oh I yeah, think, yeah, massive. Like for example, American Psycho. People think that because this one caricature that is associated with this one part of the word. But again, I recently found out about relational frames in the sense that it's how we com- how language affects um, cognition. So using that already primed words and primed language, you can then trigger that response. Right. And especially it's like American psychopath, not American psychosis. Although I will, a fun fact with that, I I have a pretty good friend actually, who is a diagnosed psychopath Hmm. and uh, he's never seen that movie, but I was sending him clips from it and he was laughing his ass off (laughs) just because he's like, he's like brutal. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just so like, on the one hand it was silly, but on the other hand, like the thinking behind some of it was like, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Not the part where he's being violent necessarily at all, but the parts like where he's sitting there and he's like, and he's all like, that person has a better business card than me, blah, 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 (laughs) like, no, 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 like that kind of thing. Like, and it's just like those littler ones, you know, or like the one that got him the most was when um, Reese Witherspoon, when he was dumping her. Yeah. He's all like, but why are you doing it? He's like, I have to return some videotapes. And like he left and that's like, that's what they're like, really at the end of the day, like that's what they're like, you know? What's the thing? <laughs> I've spoken recently to a lot, obviously they won't go on the podcast for the obvious association, but I've spoken to a few people who have diagnosed ASPD and conduct disorder and they were young. Oh yeah, I've got quite a few of those as well. And they said one of the most horrific things for them is not being able to feel how other people feel. And they have this like guilt for it in a sense that they want to understand, they want to, but they just physically can't. Yeah. And that side is never shown, for example, ASPD, because oh, yeah. it's it, unfortunately, it's not a glamorous thing to show, is it? You can't go, oh, this person has no empathy, so they're dangerous and they can do whatever and not worry about it. When, when in reality, a lot of these people who are diagnosed with ASPD want to feel that, but they just can't. Well, that's the interesting thing with ASPD as well. ASPD is a personality disorder, right? Yep. Um, whereas uh, psychopathy, actual psychopathy on its own is, is a forensically diagnosed set of traits from like the dark triad kind of thing. Yep. So it, you can have that on top of having... If you have psychopathy, you have ASPD, but if you have ASPD, you are not necessarily a psychopath. And that's an important distinction for people with ASPD as well. And they, they, a lot of the time, yeah, they, they do want to know what big feelings are like empathy and big feelings because their feelings are very muted. And that's, it's like, and especially if you are diagnosed as a psychopath, you have your capacity to feel big emotions. It's very, very narrow. And so that, that boredom, it's like, you think, oh, they're just bored. Yeah. Try being excruciatingly bored all the time. It's hell. It's horrible. And I'm just like, and that's why they're, you know, they can be impulsive and do stuff that's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Because it's like, they're just trying to do something get feel something, feel something. exactly yeah. and and it's just like and i joke with them all the time it's all like if we could trade places you would probably die 
of overwhelm and Definitely. I would probably die of boredom. Yeah, and he's all like, course. yeah, absolutely. And, and it's just, and it's, it's, uh, it's interesting because uh, he asked me one time, he said, what does empathy feel like? And uh, the, the way I explained it, I said, you know, well, when you smell a certain food that you like, you know how you get hungry. And he said, yeah. And I said, and when you, when you hear running water, do you ever have to go to the bathroom? And he said, yeah. I said, so you have experienced something outside of you that has changed how you feel inside. You weren't hungry, but now that you smelled it, you are, you didn't need the bathroom, but now that you heard it, you do. And then on top of that, that feeling now makes you compelled to do something about that feeling, right? So you're hungry. Now you want to go eat. You need the bathroom. Now you got to find a toilet. And he's all like, yeah. And I said, that's what empathy is like, except with people and feelings, you know, you, you experience something from somewhere else, you internalize it and it compels you to do an action. And that's basically what it is. And he's all that's like, that's a really oh. smart way to discuss empathy. It was, he's all like, oh, okay. And I'm all like, yeah, it's just it's the same thing. It's just with people and, and feelings and things. But yeah, it's a really clever way to do it. Because obviously, normally people are that, they, they're very physiological needs or, or in the sense the basic needs kind of thing. Right. So like hunger and yeah, that's, that's a really clever way to do that. Thank I you. wouldn't afford to do that. No, yeah. It's challenged me to think w- what empathy really is. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't, I, cause I didn't, it was, it was, it was hard to really think of what it is. Empathy versus sympathy versus, you know, uh, you know, just a bunch of other things and, and what actually makes you a good person, you know, because there are a lot of people out there who can feel empathy, who do terrible things. And yeah, then there are people out there who aren't as empathetic, but still do their best and even go the extra mile to, you know, uh, conduct themselves appropriately and be good to people and things like that. And so it's just another way of saying, you know, when you have a mental health, having a mental health condition does not make you a specific way or a specific person. There are ways that you can be malignant with your mental health condition that will make you more like that person that everybody talks about, but there are plenty of people who are not malignant. And a lot of us, in fact, the majority of us, I would say are not malignant when it comes to the less nice parts of our of our conditions and we don't deserve to be lumped in with people who are bad people no i would definitely no. completely agree with that especially what i was talking about earlier with someone who may have those traits but they haven't been diagnosed they haven't been through the recovery they haven't been given those skills to then deal with the bad side of it and i think those people still don't deserve to be vilified but if you have been through those processes and you are choosing to go against them and choosing to come off your medication and choosing yes. to do these things then you yes. are a bad person because you are choosing to be more dangerous, irresponsible, yeah, and yeah, and exactly. put put everyone in a place that where they're not necessarily better off. You know what I mean? No, and you hit the nail on the head. And and you said something else about you know diagnosing with traits and things like that. That's another thing I noticed that the media circus does a lot mm. of the time. Whenever somebody is about like even even this this you know shooter in Buffalo that I did a video yeah. about today, it's like he went in for a mental health evaluation. That means nothing. And you're just like, okay, so like there was no, there was no mental health diagnosis made. And even if there was like, you know, like that, again, that doesn't mean much, but the thing is too, a lot of, a lot of them don't even wait for a real diagnosis. A lot of them just kind of armchair diagnose people, a lot of them. And a lot of people do that as well. Like anyone who's had a bad experience with a partner, well, that person had narcissistic personality disorder. Well, maybe they did, but they probably didn't. Definitely. They're probably just shitty people. 
Yeah. Um, no, I or, you know, agree. like and they do it with bipolar and they do it with, you know, like with ASPD, they do it with all kinds of stuff. And, and even the media does it like the article that I cited in my video um, is from the New York post, which is sad because I actually usually like what they put out, but like, well, they're hit and miss, but yeah. You know, uh, it it said, you know, uh, we had uh, there was other evidence that he was mentally ill as well. And these two teenagers from his high school came out and said he showed up in a hazmat suit after all of the restrictions were lifted. That's uh, just COVID and blah, blah, blah. Or it's just being weird. Yeah. Teenagers like to stand out and be weird. That's actually a very good point as well. And it's not like, oh, okay, so this armchair diagnosis from two 16 year olds is enough evidence for us to actually publish something about it. In a professional newspaper i think the problem for like, example with mental health at the moment is that if you look at common media especially from one i think one of the best films i've seen regarding mental health where they do it well is one flow over the cuckoo's nest that's a brilliant film with mental health oh gosh i always wanted to watch that i keep not brilliant watching it film. honestly definitely check it out but most of the films that you see where one of the main characteristics of a character is meant if a mental health problem they're evil or they're right. they're broken or something like that or the whole film is about them trying to deal with the bad side of it but also not on being destructive like how many times do you see a great example another example is bojack horseman with um bojack who has well basically even those clinical stories he's definitely got depression he's definitely a clinical depression based on what he was doing and that was just a multi-diagnosis kind of thing but people still kind of idolize them as like oh i'd love to be like him or like they kind of attach themselves to these negative They make things. mental illness really cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, which is also not any better. No, so it's always like one of the two things. Got, yeah. Either it's someone who is incredibly dangerous, incredibly violent, or it's this character that's kind of- That's totally romanticized. Yeah, exactly. And I think yeah. you have to find a middle ground for that, especially if you're going to talk about it in the media. Like you say, if you say someone's got narcissistic personality disorder, chances are they're probably not going to shoot up a school because there is right. nothing about that we would consider that there's no- impulsive or dangerous behavior in the sense of that they're more likely to run for a position in within the school or something like that not or a position that makes them yeah. very very prominent yeah, exactly yeah. things Powerful. like that they don't want they, to they then, need that yeah, yeah. That's because just, you know a lot of people who said when they've spoken to people like that and they've done the psychoanalysis of people doing school shooting stuff like that normally it's because they've been isolated they've been anxious there's been a lot of influence from the internet like at the moment with 4chan with all these stuff about white supremacy and the great replacement which is getting very uh, common in media now apparently but there we go yeah and they're making it into this worse and worse and worse yeah, thing exactly. it's, it's like it started out up. as this like concept and then now it's turned into this big monster and you're just like oh my god but then they just watching it slap on top mental health it's like even if you look at when school shoes come it's like, oh he obviously had a mental health problem it's like okay but what does that mean so were they abused at home did they have these traits can you tell us more about it kind of thing if you're going to well, say they're mentally unwell explain what you mean Yeah. And it always just boils down to one thing. And it's something, again, I said in the video I put out today, they do that because they don't, I think because they don't want to have to come to terms with the idea that completely neurotypical people can do bad things. Definitely. If this has happened, then it's somebody who's mentally ill because it's okay to write them off as mentally ill because who cares about those people? And that means that we don't have to accept that we normal people who run society could possibly be bad people. Well, of course you can. Of yeah, course they can be can. bad people. Everyone has the, you, can, you can go out one day. But, but if that's you the thing, it's trying to take blame off of these people. And it's all like, no, neurotypical people can do bad things. And you need to come to terms with that because you're not going to keep blaming it on us because this is getting ridiculous. No, no I think that is one of the you biggest know? pushes. Like 
well, you said earlier about your Instagram video where basically you can't monetize your content. You can't advertise your content to people because mental illness is this negative tag thing. Obviously, tragedy or conflict. Oh, is that what it's considered? (laughs) That's what it's under tragedy or conflict. And by the way, they have Mm. physical illness and disabilities in there as well. Well, on that note, that's I bet a, people on wheelchairs have a, a problem that's too. A, that, that's a great place to end the podcast, isn't that is it? A whole, yeah, that is a whole other can of worms too. So, yeah. well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been really fun. Definitely love to have you on again to talk more about it. So it's been really fascinating. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. All right. All right. Take care. Well, I hope you enjoyed, yeah. hope you enjoyed guys. Thanks, guys. Bye.